What's up, everybody? Welcome to Half the Cast, episode number 34. My name is Josh Toll, and I am joined by, as always, my good friend Brett Roberts and our AI companion, HBot. Welcome to Half the Cast. What's up, everybody? What's going on, everybody? How you doing, Josh? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing, uh, I'm doing fine. Hanging in there? I'm doing just fine. Hanging in there. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm fully vaccinated. Good. Uh, for the coronavirus, which is great. Feels good. Uh, not really. Actually, I, the one, I told you a little bit as we were playing games this week, after the second dose, like, I felt like somebody punched me in the arm. Yeah. But now, the day after and today, nothing. It feels like I didn't even get it, uh, which is weird, because typically, like, a day or two after it would hurt more. Yeah. Um, but nothing so i'm feeling good 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 so it's positive i'm trying to get mine uh, asap i put my pre-registration in and i'm waiting for them to give me a appointment so that's that yeah all right slick yeah so the topics we have for you all today are we're talking to be talking about pokemon lots of exciting pokemon news um big news there ps5 storage uh the internal storage is potentially going to be unlocked coming this summer uh so we're going to talk about that we're going to be going into our top 50 games of all time segment with our top 10 today so the final installment of at least our top 50 games of all time and then next week we'll be doing haptic intel's top 10 um, and they'll be rounding it out with a uh, segment we call Indie Intel, as always, talking about uh, a little game called Mission in Snowdrift Land, uh, which some of you may or may not know about that has a Kickstarter campaign. So that'll be cool. That's right. With all of that being said, and before we hop into our main topics, Britt. Yes. Let's give, us, let's give, you a, give ourselves a little update as far as uh, the media that we are consuming this week and i know both of us is going to be dominated by one in particularly but i have a lot of other stuff for you this week okay. i uh I've, I've started keeping a little diary because i always forget um Good. everything that i do not like not diary a list of what i've been doing um so you want me to run through mine and then i'll end with what we've both been doing yeah and then you can touch on that and go into yours yeah sure go ahead all right so first of all i watched dr stone the i guess last week's episode technically um was there was there like a delay with a dub or something with that is that why the next episode is not available i'm not sure i'm gonna i'm gonna look into that because i am ready to watch episode three yeah because i I know that happens sometimes especially if it's a funimation dub they have you know timeline issues and stuff so did that i've been re-watching twin peaks um specifically i'm on season two right now and you know, as I started my rewatch, I was like, and this is now probably the third or fourth time I'm rewatching the series. Um, I was like, ah, eh, there's, you know, always a bunch of episodes in season two that I can probably skip. I decided not to this time and instead just skip everything with James and then also um, with Nadine and her super strength. Um, and some of the Wyndham Earl stuff with her, him and Leo, like in the cabin, mm-hmm. and it's just not needed but a lot of the other stuff i forgot how much like actual important lore stuff there is in those episodes like the white the concepts of the white and black lodge are introduced everything with uh major briggs and his connection with everything and the log log lady's log connection to the woods and stuff like that all of that is in those episodes and i'm like if you've already watched it once you don't necessarily need to rewatch it but i'm like i would be doing you do yourself a disservice with not watching that stuff because it's important lore wise. Yeah. Um, which I forgot that all of that was in there because of all the shit around. It's, around it's it. so funny though, because like the shit that you're mentioning that you skipped is like some of the most memorable things from season two, as bad as it may be. It's yeah. super memorable. 
yeah, it's memorable, but really bad. Yeah. Um. Then last night I watched that movie Saint Maud, um, which was not what I expected it to be. I knew it was going to be weird, but it was weird in a totally different way. First of all, it's a movie I think you'll love. Yeah. Uh, given given both of our personal stances with religion, mm-hmm. uh, this movie has a pretty cut and dry uh, uh, opinion on that, and uh, I love it. I love it. So from so the that was cool. from the trailer I saw, it seems like it's almost like she believes that there is some divine intervention in her life. Uh, but it, it seems like it might be more demonic and not so friendly. Um, and the trailer, it showed her putting her shoe on with like the nails in it. And I literally cringe so fucking hard. Yeah, there's a, well, first of all, there's a lot of moments like that that are like, I mean, like my fist was in my mouth. Like I was bad Ugh. like that. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's <clears throat> I mean, at its heart, it's really like a dramatic character study of like somebody who clearly has some kind of nefarious past that is like imagining that they're a disciple of god i see uh so that's the movie and it's nuts uh it's so nuts but in a very different way than i think you would expect okay that sounds awesome um yeah so i recommend that i 100%ed all the control dlc um so that game is complete very good um i i beat donut donut county what'd you think of that uh, I thought it was a cool little game. Yeah. You know, I thought it was a it was a nice little uh, non traditional puzzle game uh, yeah. that that I enjoyed, and it was uh, slightly like um, I don't know, like oddly satisfying <laughs> with just the the hole and getting bigger and like yeah. just sucking shit up. Um, Super stylish cool. too, right? The menus and stuff, like yeah, little yeah. weird things that yeah. they did. Yeah, it was it was cool. It was fun. Uh, I played it on your recommendation because I know you said you played it. Yeah. Uh, it was on, it's on Game Pass, so um, yeah. Uh, I started Cyber Shadow. Ooh. From Yacht Club. Yeah. Which is cool. Uh, definitely not for me, um, but it's cool, and I just wanted to try it out and see. And the music is fucking slick. I've been listening to the soundtrack, so that was cool. Uh, I tried Super's Lucky's Tale on xbox because of the fps boost thing i just wanted to see how that worked uh that game is shite um i just want to say that it is like the one of the worst like platforming ripoff piles of just mass-produced garbage i've ever seen um it's clearly xbox trying to get their own mario or like it it's terrible (laughs) it's it's really it's not good sad Uh, uh an fps boost worked fine so um i bought little nightmares and started that on sale on playstation um that game is fucking weird yeah um so i'm about halfway through that and then i tried carry on too because i wanted to play that for a while oh that game is i love that game yeah that game is fun also not for me uh but it's cool yeah yeah it's really cool it's very metroid yes ask you know Mm -hmm. all right well Um, and then of course yeah what's the big one uh valheim yeah uh we've uh played a lot of valheim this week folks yeah um that game is fun it checks a lot of boxes for us uh and it is uh, i don't know i'll let you talk about it more but we spent a lot of fucking time in that game this week that's all i'll say yeah we spent over 20 hours yeah um yeah i don't i don't really i don't know what to say it like you said it checks all boxes for us it's Almost got this Terraria Minecraft thing going on, but then it also has like uh, 
almost like a Skyrim or Elder Scrolls thing going on too. It's like a combination of both. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say like the one thing that really stands out to me is the bosses. There are bosses in the yeah. game. You have to, you know, get materials to summon the boss. And then once you summon the boss, you have to kill it. And then you get a special ability that you can use in combat. So that's really yeah. unique and really cool. And uh, I'm excited to play some more tonight, actually, after we're done this podcast. So Yes, probably directly after we're done filming. Yeah. And besides that, I mean, I really haven't been doing much. Uh, I got a couple more games on my Switch. I'm trying to remember mm-hmm. all of them, but I can't right now. Uh, I literally just I went nuts with my with my points on there. I've been playing Ali Ali. Uh, I got the oh, shit. There's like a double pack yeah. of Ali Ali one and two. I've been playing yeah. that. So yeah, I've just been jumping around a lot. And uh, same as you, you know, I finished Dr. Stone. I uh, watched WandaVision last night. Oh, caught up with that now. That. So yeah, just, uh, you know, doing my thing. And I'm watching Servant, an Apple TV show by uh, our boy uh, M. Night Shyamalan takes place in philadelphia you know we're from philadelphia so uh hits nice and close to home pretty good season two drags on a little bit um it's almost over um but yeah. yeah so that's that all right good shit well with that brett let us jump into our main topics for the day starting with pokemon that's right so there has been some huge huge news in the pokemon world on top of it being the 25th anniversary of the franchise and the card game exploding in popularity thanks to Logan Paul and resellers and the prices of the cards going up. Um, they had a Direct, a Nintendo Direct just for Pokemon. And people were very, very excited and nervous because it was like, this is this is Game Freak's last chance to kind of do something big and something good. Or a lot of people weren't going to be interested anymore. You know, we've been getting things like Pokemon Sleep. Um, which nobody asked for and nobody wanted. So, folks, I'm happy to say we are getting the Pokemon Diamond and Pearl remakes in the form of Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Now, Josh, I know that as of recent, you've been more interested in Pokemon, but you didn't grow up with the franchise like me and some of our other friends. So that's true. But let me just run through why people were expecting this. So, okay. Back in the day, it was Pokemon uh, blue or red and green in Japan. Mm -hmm. And then red and blue in America. They did the yellow version. That was Gen 1. Right. Gen 2, they did gold and silver and crystal. Gen 3, they did ruby, sapphire, emerald. And then Gen 4, they did diamond, pearl, and platinum. Okay. So... Every game up to Gen 4 has been remade. So Red and Blue were remade as Fire Red and Leaf Green for the Game Boy Advance. And then Gold and Silver were remade as Soul Silver and Heart Gold on the Nintendo DS. And then Gen 3, Ruby and Sapphire, were remade as Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire on the 3DS. So naturally, and that wasn't too long ago, right? Or Mm -hmm. it was, but relative. Relatively speed, yeah. Yeah. So the next one, obviously, was going to be Diamond and Pearl. Now, people argued, you know, Diamond and Pearl came out on the DS. We're not too far from the DS and the 3DS style of Pokemon. Do they really need to be remade, right? Mm-hmm. So people were, you know, speculating that they weren't going to do it. Some were speculating they were. Here it is. It's here. It's finally here. 
I want to talk about it a little bit, so I'm going to read a little bit of yeah. news. Please, yeah. So it's being, the remakes are being developed by Ilka Incorporated. Uh, and they're Ilka. The <laughs> and they're the studio behind Pokemon Home, which e. is weird because Pokemon Home, if you don't know, isn't a game, really. It's a, three it's a service. Yeah, it's a service on the Nintendo Switch and on mobile phones. It essentially just lets you transfer Pokemon between, you know, Pokemon Go and all the other mainline Pokemon games. You could store all your Pokemon there, transfer them between the games, etc. Right. So <laughs> that's that's that. It's not being developed by a studio that we know Game Freak really isn't working on it. However, uh, I do want to mention that Ilka's Yuichi Ueda and Game Freak's Junichi Masuda are directing the games. So Masuda is a very, 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 you know, famous person in the Pokemon world. You know, he's responsible for a lot of things in Pokemon, but most notably, he was the original director of Diamond and Pearl. So it's a natural fit for him to be a part of this. And that kind of makes me less nervous because at least he's at the helm. You know, right. one thing that I noticed, Josh, that kind of, you know, bothered me a little bit is that the graphics of this remake aren't what I was expecting necessarily. OK, so as recent as Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, what we saw was the traditional overhead 2D Ruby and Sapphire games getting remade into the more modern Pokemon style where, you know, the full character models are there. You know, you can walk around in a 3D environment, a pseudo 3D environment, and you're not attached to that grid, right? The normal Pokemon grid style. Right, 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 right. Whereas Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl have a chibi art style that almost mm -hmm. looks like it's just a, you know, retexturing or a, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not a remake. It's like a remaster where they just mm -hmm. took the graphics and made them modern, right? Mm -hmm. It looks like it still has that 2D based grid style movement. Uh, mm -hmm. Everybody's chibi. Now, however, the battle system is a little bit different. It looks looks more 3D, looks more modern in that regard. Uh, right. But the chibi overworld kind of, you know, makes me nervous. And it, almost like, what's the point of if, is it going to be a one for one remake and it's not going to have any improvements? If that's the case, I'm not really interested. Right. Yeah. I just play the originals or platinum, which. The third game in the franchise, Josh, is always like a combination of the first two with more features and, and all that. So there yeah. was Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum. So Platinum would be the one to play out of those three. Yeah. Let me let me hop in here for a second. So yeah. I'm like, I am, uh, I mean, maybe ignorance is bliss, I guess. Um, but like you said, like I didn't play these games as a kid. Like, I mean, it, I think that the only Pokemon game I played as a kid was that I touched on um emerald yeah or something that generation uh whichever one trico was introduced in yep that's ruby uh, sapphire and, emerald yeah and that's it um and then the next pokemon game that i would play would be pokemon let's go eevee and pikachu yep. um and then sword and shield so to me from like an outsider first of all i want to say pokemon fans are abysmal my man i mean there you cannot fucking please these human beings at all doesn't matter if you do, if you don't, like, you do what they ask, and then they're like, but what about X, Y, and Z? Like, first of all, just shut the fuck up, man. Like, chill out, dude. Yeah. If you don't want this, that's fine. Just go play the original then and just, like, leave. Just stop. Yeah. But for me, from, like, an outsider, I'm like, 
cool. I get to play this Pokemon game from way back in the day now that I'm like invested in Pokemon and see it in like a new light. First of all, the chibi art style doesn't bother me at all. Doesn't I find bother it kinda me. Yeah. I find it kind of charming, actually. It's cute. Um, and I'm just excited to like be able to play one of these games that I missed out on in a modern setting on my modern console mm -hmm. um, and kind of re-experience what that was like. And I think it was the same thing for like Let's Go Eevee. It was like a, you know, like a more watered down, reskin, beautiful version of like the original game um, that I got to experience and I really enjoyed. So to me, I'm like, cool, this is a win. Yeah. Absolutely. And listen, I'm not I'm not knocking it. I don't want to say that. First of all, I don't think we needed it. That's just me. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we needed a Gen 4 remake. However, we're getting it. I will play it. Uh, you know, the graphics don't bother me. It's just it's interesting that they decided to go this route. It's all. Mm -hmm. And I'm worried that the graphics, the graphics are making me worried that they're not putting as much attention to detail into the remake aspect of it and just doing a remaster of it, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Now, they, yeah. they are calling it, you know, Game Freak Pokemon, they're all calling it a remake. So, lead you to believe it's a full remake, folks. Now, that's all that's all well and good, Josh, you know. Gen 4 was great. Gen 4 is the one that, you know, back in the day when, you know, I'm sure you, you know my good friends Alvaro and Carlos. This was the gen that we bonded over. This was the one that we played. Um, I remember going to New York City with Carlos, and we actually bought it at the Toys R Us mm. in New York City. So, you know, I have a lot of fond memories of Diamond and Pearl. There's a lot of cool features that they added. It was the first one on the DS, so you had the dual screens. It was, you know, it was a big deal. Right. But even more of a big deal than that, Josh, is the fact that we are finally getting an open-world Pokemon adventure video game. And Josh, it is called Pokemon Legends Arceus or Arceus. Now, I want, back mm -hmm. back in the day, we always called him Arceus, but I'm I'm hearing mm -hmm. now his name is Arceus. So yeah. So what is Pokemon Legends Arceus? It is an open world Pokemon adventure, the next major entry in the franchise. It looks to be a huge evolution of the long running RPG formula. The developers are describing it as a pre-make, which hold on there, I'll explain that in a second. Uh, which offers a new challenge and a new frontier for the Pokemon world. So, Josh, what the fuck is a pre-make? Mm -hmm. To me, it... uh, go ahead. What do you think? I think, first of all, it's a really fucking stupid name to classify something as. I agree. Uh, <laughs> I would assume it's a prequel of something that is already being remade or was already done. And this, it's like the the region, right? It's like a, it's a fucking prequel. Yeah. Right? To like everything so yeah what yeah no you're right that's that's what i'm getting to is basically it's a prequel to pokemon uh from the videos we've seen and the screenshots we've seen and everything that's been released so far it's a prequel it's more feudal japan or china i'm not sure what uh mm -hmm. what sino is inspired by but it takes mm -hmm. place in the sino region which josh mind you is the same region as gen 4 right so that's going to be a cool contrast because you're going to play the remakes and then you're going to be able to play you know this new right. game in the same area mm -hmm. exactly which is smart for them to release them as such then too absolutely and a little more backstory for you arceus mm -hmm. is a legendary pokemon he's not new we've had him since gen 4 and he is right. a legendary pokemon that is actually the god of all pokemon oh so you know gen 4 has 
Dialga or Dialga, he is, I believe, the master of time. And then there's Palkia, and he is the master of space. And then there is Giratina, which is the master of something else. And then Ar Arceus is basically God. He created everything, all the Pokemon. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So that's that. So that's why he's a big deal. And that's why the, the you know, the, the game's going to be all about like the legend of Arceus, I guess. Yeah. Uh, some other cool things we saw. The Pokeballs are like old school steampunk looking Pokeballs. They have like little uh, locks on them and little spouts on the top for steam to puff out when you catch the Pokemon. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, a little yeah. a little more here uh, before you before you say anything. The story takes place in the Sinnoh region, which I mentioned at a period that appears to be long before other Pokemon games, and it will include a number of iconic monsters like Piplup, and your choice of starters will include Rowlet, Oshawott, and Cyndaquil. And the game will launch worldwide on the Switch in early 2022. Mm -hmm. Now, before I touch on the starters, Josh, is there anything you want to mention here? No, I'm just excited. I mean, this literally looks like Pokemon Breath of the Wild. It does. Uh, I'm an RPG fan. Uh, I'm an open world game fan. Uh, I'm a fan of this. I'm ready. I want it. Okay. Last thing I'll touch on here. I mentioned the starters. So you got Rowlet, you got Oshawott, and you got Cyndaquil. Josh, mm -hmm. the interesting thing here, my friend, is that these three Pokemon are not the original starters of Gen 4 of Sinnoh. Mm -hmm. So... Why are they included? Why are these three random Pokemon starters from different generations getting put together? Well, I've read a theory, Josh, that has to do with the final evolutions of these three Pokemon. Now, Rowlet, when it evolves, its final form is an archer. It's an owl that has a bow and arrow made of its feathers and its wings. Okay. Oshawott turns into Samurott as its final evolution, which is clearly inspired by Samurai. Mm -hmm. And Cyndaquil evolves into Typhlosion, which some are saying is like a brute or like a warrior. So mm -hmm. people are speculating that these three, these three Pokemon were chosen because they represent the Archer, the Samurai, and the Warrior classes that you would see in like feudal yeah. know, video games or movies, right? So I thought that was an interesting touch, and that could be why. And if not, then I truly don't have any idea why these three <laughs> were, were chosen. Um, mm hmm However, it's very obvious that Cyndaquil will be the best one and the one that you should choose. And that's all I'll say. Uh, and then finally, in the last little bit of Pokemon news, as I said, it is the 25th anniversary. And as of the time of recording this, last night was the Pokemon 25 concert event with Post Malone. And it was a visual masterpiece, uh, I would say, of 3D animation in terms of the Pokemon and the world's. Uh, Post Malone's animations were all right. As Christian, our good friend, pointed out, it was, you know, mocap. Wasn't the best looking. Uh, however, it was a good, I thought it was awesome. It was a good sh a good show, a good time. And uh, you don't really see Pokemon doing this. You know, it's a Japanese company. They're pretty conservative. And they have this American pop star rapper performing. With a lot of tattoos. He has a lot of tattoos. He curses a lot. You know, he smokes cigarettes a lot. And they didn't care. They were like, you know, you're a good musician. We're going to do this. And I think that that's that's interesting. And, you know, it's telling, you know, hopefully Pokemon's going in the right direction here and they're going to loosen up their buttons a little bit, you know. Loosen up their butthole a little bit. Precisely. So, yeah, I want to say, you know, happy 25th anniversary to Pokemon. You know, I've been a huge fan since I was literally born. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
I'm, I'm happy to see the franchise doing this well and doing new things and, you know, taking risks and, you know, I'm excited. So please stop scalping the trading cards and uh, let kids buy them. Yeah. Merry Christmas, Xbox. Nice. <laughs> All right. All right, Brett, our next topic is about PlayStation 5 and specifically the internal storage expansion slot that currently doesn't work. Yes. So you've been living under a rock um, and you don't have a PlayStation 5 or don't know or just ignorant to it. Um, inside of the PlayStation 5, as originally seen in the initial teardown video that PlayStation released, um, is that there is an internal SSD slot expansion, an M.2 slot um, inside of it that you can use external hard drives, right? Or like an MVM2 or whatever that you would slot into PC to put inside of your PlayStation 5, yep. which is awesome because then you don't have to worry about external upgrades or whatever it is. It's internal, right? It's right on the board. So it's gonna be faster read and write speeds um, because that's one of the big things of the PlayStation 5 is the read and write speed of the internal SSD, which you know, impacts loading times and things like that. So since launch, Brett, this slot has been locked, right? Uh, which is unfortunate because the PlayStation 5 only has an internal SSD of 825 gigabytes, right? So after the OS and all of that, you only get about 667 gigs of usable space. Now, we both know this is obviously a large problem with modern games. Most of them typically, what I'd, I would argue take up between 30 to 60 plus gigabytes, right? And that is like on the lower end <laughs> yeah. of like some of these games. But you look at something with like Call of Duty Cold War, right? Warzone, all this stuff, which it takes up 133 gigs itself. And arguably that's going to be one of the most popular games and is one of the most popular games during this launch period of these new consoles, yep. including the PlayStation 5. So... You know, I know we're both doing the fucking run around with our games, right? Like, I have an external storage hard drive for PlayStation 4 games, right? I would love to put them on my fucking internal SSD, whatever it is, but they don't need to be in there. They don't need that to run, right? But you have all of these new next-gen games, these PlayStation 5 games, that need to be put on your internal SSD, right, for them to run and even work. Exactly. If you put it on the external hard drive, it's not going to work. Exactly. It just won't work. So there's a solution essentially for being able to store more games if you're playing PS4 games. But if you're playing right. PS5 games solely on your PlayStation 5, you know, you're you're limited by the 667 gigabytes of space that they have allocated for you to use. Right. So and then you have to do the Benny Hill run around with what games do you want fucking downloaded? Which ones do you want on your console? OK, I beat this. Let me delete it. I'm playing this, but I have this other game I want to download. I'm just buy it's it's fucking abysmal, dude. It's like ridiculous. This st the storage issue is carrying over from last generation, and I'm fucking tired of it. Right? Yeah. So this internal slot has just been locked. Mark Cerny said, um, who for those of you who don't know is the architect of the PlayStation Five, PlayStation whatever. Um, he said, uh, I think this might have been during his tech thing after the breakdown or what, I forget when he said it, but he basically said that you know, additional storage space would be something that they're exploring, right? Quote, unquote, a bit past launch. Well, Brett, we're a bit past launch now. And now there's a report from Bloomberg that is saying that this internal storage slot is going to be unlocked this summer, right? So again, currently it's locked. You can't use it. Nothing works with it. If you put it in, it's not going to work. Okay, people have tried. 
Trust me, people have tried. Yeah. Nothing you put in there is going to work. It's like bricked, right? That internal slot is bricked, essentially, until Sony unlocks it. So this report from Bloomberg is saying, um, they they basically are saying that it's going to be unlocked this summer. They got a quote from a Sony spokesperson that said, quote, as previously announced, we are working to enable the M.2 SSD storage expansion for PlayStation 5. The timing has not been announced and details will be shared later, end quote. So why this is important is because <clears throat> the person that wrote this Bloomberg article got reports from people that work at PlayStation that this is coming this summer, but PlayStation themselves are not saying anything officially on that front yet. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and there's just last point here, and then we can chat about it. Uh, basically, that this there's a rumor that this unlocking whatever is going to add support for additional drives, which you can put inside, which will also enable, um, you know, a firmware update will also enable unlocking higher cooling fan speeds to help offset the additional heat produced by putting in another storage slot or another storage device inside of the PlayStation 5. Yeah. So... so. So, Josh, I read that the reason that this was not enabled at launch was because they had to check and make sure what drives were compatible, right? They couldn't just say, you know, put any drive in there and then have a bunch of people with their PlayStations exploding, basically. Mm -hmm. So it, it goes hand in hand with this uh, cooling fan speed update, because depending on the drive that you insert, the fan will need to spin at a higher rate. You know what I mean? To, to compensate right. yeah, yeah, for yeah, that yeah. drive. Right, right. So I think it all has to do with that. They were just basically finding out which ones work best, which ones work at all. And also, Josh, it would be bad PR if they let you put any HD or SD, you know, solid state drive, SSD, I should say, uh, in your PS5. And it causes the fan to sound like a fucking jet engine, right? They don't want that. They don't want PS5s out there with jet engine fucking fans because that's a bad look. Everyone knows that the PlayStation 4 got loud. The fans were loud, especially as the generation went on, right? Every iteration of it, yeah. So it got a little better with the PS4 Pro, and then the PS4 Pros would get older. So that's just that's just the nature of the beast, right? That's just how it is. So I don't think that they wanted, at launch, all these people with, with these brand new consoles that are supposed to be silent with <laughs> new SSDs attached to them that just sound like fucking planes taking off. Right? Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, here's my thing, though, right? What's and up? I get that, and I, I totally understand. But playing devil's advocate here, I don't think you should launch a console with internal storage upgrades and have the feature not work. Mm -hmm. I don't think it should be there and not work. Here's the thing. Xbox released it, right? They released a proprietary expansion, right, for it that you could buy from them. It's not great, right? You don't have a ton of options for it. It's, you know, their own first-party thing. It's expensive. It is expensive. I think PlayStation should have at the very least done that and been like, we have this feature, right? We know it's going to be an issue because 667 gigabytes is fucking a steaming pile of crap for storage now. It's not functional. It's not functional. They should have at least had something proprietary or first party and be like, hey, if you want to upgrade your storage, here's something for whatever, 120 bucks. Yeah, it's expensive, but at least you know it works. And, you know, in the future, we will get stuff that is rated to work with this just so everything works out, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to me, as a consumer, I find it kind of bullshit that I have this thing inside of a console that I bought that I can't use yet for an issue that Sony knew was going to be an issue. Like... To me, that is, I don't want to rationalize that because to me, from a consumer standpoint, it's like not rational. I don't agree with it. I think it's terrible. And I think PlayStation has a track record 
of having these things that they're products are capable of that they lock you out of until way after. And if that was the thing, if they were like, well, this is not going to work at launch, well, maybe you wait until then it's going to fucking work before you release the console. I don't know. I get your point. I see it. I think that that would have been a smart move to have enabled or given given consumers an option at least to expand their storage, uh, even if it was right. a temporary solution. Even if yeah, it was just good. one type of drive that worked. That you exactly. Could put in there, you know exactly because currently it's just nothing. Yeah, and as consumers, we're kind of just stuck. We're just like, what? What can we do? Right. And I want to play not devil's advocate here, but I want to play to a different side, Josh. That there's people that are like, well, why do you need one million games installed on your console at once? Well, here's the answer. Okay, download speeds in certain parts of the United States are not great, so having to download a full game every time you want to play it you know, is a little inconvenient. So, you know, for me, I'm in a pretty populated area and it could still take a couple hours just to download a game. So would it be much more easier? And, and you know, yeah, just would it be easier if I just had everything installed on my console and I could just play them whenever I want? Yeah. And it's my fucking console. I could do whatever I want with it, right? <laughs> if I want to load it up, exactly. up with games, who cares? Okay, so why do people need hundreds of thousands of physical games then at once just go out and buy it whenever you want to play it and then return it to the store when you don't <laughs> that fucking the, shut the fuck up there's dude. a monetary like, thing there though josh there's a whatever it's it's a bullshit argument it's there's in my opinion there's no way to explain this away i think playstation fucked the duck on this one and i think it's bullshit and i think the fact that we have to wait six months after launch eight months probably more like is dumb so i'm with you that's silly Okay. All right, Josh. Well, I think it's that time of the podcast where we go over our top 50 favorite video games of all time. This is part five. Five. Yeah. Wow. And we're going to be going over the top 10 on both of our lists, the top Josh. 10. The big 10. That's right. Before we do. Ten. Before we go over the top 10, we have an updated list here of Haptic Intel's top 10 games of all time. How we're doing this is we're taking all of the games on both of our lists. We're assigning them point values. So, for example, number one on my list will get 50 points. Number one on Josh's list will get 50 points. And then if the game was placed at number, say, 50 on my list, it gets one point. So it's kind of like the reverse, right? Right. So... Josh, if you don't mind, I'm just going to quickly run down the list of our top 10 games. Does that sound all right? Yeah. Yeah, please do. And just full disclosure, this is skewed. This is going to change immediately after we're done talking about this again. And then next week, we will go in-depth to Haptic Intel's top 10 of all time. It'll so be the final. That in mind. The final. Right. Right. So as of right now, Josh, number 10 on Haptic Intel's top 10 favorite video games of all time is Demon Souls with 40 points. Mm-hmm. Following that, we have Resident Evil 4 with 40 points as well. Then we have Apex Legends with 42 points. Mm -hmm. Next up, we have Overwatch at number or with 44 points, I'm sorry. Next up, we have Doom 2016, right? Mm -hmm. 55 points. Then we have Resident Evil 2 Remake with 59 points. Next up, The Last of Us with 61 points. These points are getting higher and higher. Mm -hmm. Next one, we have 
Mario Odyssey with 64 points. Number two on our list is Resident Evil 7 with 69 points. Nice. Nice. <laughs> and number one is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild with 75 points. So that's that. Uh, like we said, those numbers and those rankings are going to change as soon as we're done this segment. So, uh, yep. you know, be on the lookout. I'm sure you could figure it out yourselves based on what we say in the next, you know, 20, 30 minutes, what our top uh, 10 games of all time are. But just wait. Next week, we'll do the full rundown. We'll give you the final results. Yep. So, Josh. All right. Yeah, I think it's your turn to start this week. All right. So why don't you kick us off with your number 10? All right, Josh. Number 10 is a game that I don't know if it's on your list or not. I forget. I think it was. Mm -hmm. So I'll say it, and then you tell me if it was on your list. It is Far Cry 3. It was in my honorable mentions, I believe. Okay, okay. So. Wow, this is high, brother. Yeah, it is high. Wow. So Far Cry wow. 3, to me, was one of the first big AAA games uh, I remember being like pretty blown away by. Uh, in my opinion, it is the best Far Cry game. And they haven't even come close. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They haven't even come close. Uh, you know, I'll tell you this. This all almost certainly stems from the portrayal of the character Voss um, by Michael Mando. His name is correct. The actor. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's pronounced Mando. I don't. Yes. Okay. You're correct. He's yes. fantastic. And the character of Voss is incredible. I can't believe that this character met the fate he did because they could have done so much more with him. He could have been the huge villain of the entire franchise, in my opinion. Uh, the best part, Josh, is that he's not even the main villain of the game. It's true. So it's true. There's that. But he's the most memorable parts of that game. He is. I, I think that he's just so fantastic. And I think the game, the game is fantastic. I mean, it has, obviously it has the tower climbing, you know, activating the thing and the whole map opens up feature that all Ubisoft games have now, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, and it has the, 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 the crafting and the hunting that far cry is known for now, where you would craft pouches and, and backpack space by hunting different animals. I just think that the, the whole story of this game, the world of far cry three is, is great. And I think that the performances, especially by Michael Mando or Michael Mandau are incredible. Yeah. I remember playing this game and you played this game as well. And I remember you and I just talking about how awesome it was. And it's just such a memorable game. It had to be in my top 10. Um, it had to be. If it wasn't in my top 10, it had to at least be in my top 20 because it just meant like the story meant a lot to me. And uh, I liked it. And the ending with uh, <laughs> I don't want to spoil it. But there's a certain ending of this game. I think, I think it's fine at this point. I mean, okay. spoiler warning, skip ahead a couple of seconds if you don't want to hear it. Yeah. This game is like fucking 30,000 years old. There's a game where you literally have sex with the main villain of the game, and then she literally murders you. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Far Cry 3 has my top 10, number 10 pick. Nice. All right. All right, Brett, my number 10 the first, but not the last, Star Wars game that you're going to get on this list. Oh. So today. 
and that is Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Wow. This had to be on my list, folks. For those of you that don't know, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and specifically, this game is the benchmark that I essentially hold all other Star Wars games to, and you either fall below that benchmark or you exceed it. And in my opinion, there's only one game that exceeded it, which we'll get to, um, but Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. I mean, Star Wars RPG equals Josh Happy. Yep. Okay? That's the long and short of it. This game captured my imagination as a kid. The stories I remember experiencing and just thinking about all the time playing this game. Um, the story itself that's within the game. The elements within it. Unfortunately, it doesn't hold up super well now. I've always tried to go back occasionally to try to play it, but it's very dated, um, which is why that, you know, why I want new games like this made and stories in this time period told. Because that's what it comes down to, Brett, is that in this game, you get something that we haven't experienced in any other Star Wars medium, really, is warring factions, huge warring factions between the Sith and the Jedi. I mean, you have hundreds on both sides, right? This is the reason why we have the rule of two, right? That's what this video game establishes, is that you have so many Sith that eventually they're going to implode on each other and fight within themselves because the dark side doesn't allow that, right? This introduces so many iconic characters that are now being brought back in Star Wars media that we see. It is a landmark in Star Wars storytelling and one of not just my favorite games of all time, but in my opinion, one of the best Star Wars games and Star Wars stories of all time. So had to be in my top 10. Great. I actually didn't know you even played that. Like, I don't I, we, we never talk about it. Like, I didn't even know that that was a game you played. Yeah. When I was young. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Wow. OK, that's a that's a good one. That's a good pick. That's a game that a lot of people would probably say is in their top 10. So, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. But it's, I, I mean, we don't talk about it really because I know it's a game that you and really nobody else in our friend group has experienced really except for maybe Sean. Mm -hmm. um, but even Sean only knows the lore. I don't know if he's actually ever played the game. So. Yeah, I, I don't think he has. Okay, cool. Wow. Good pick. Mm -hmm. Number nine for me on my list is Fallout 3. So again, this is another game with a great narrative, another game with a great world, okay? DC in a way you've never seen it before. This was the first time I actually played a Fallout game. It was the first one ever. And I was blown away, okay? There are things in this game that are so memorable. And I think that's what makes a lot of these games on my top 10 my favorite, is memorable moments, right? certain things that stuck out to me. I might not remember every detail, but just like the moment you remember it. You megaton. Know, megaton. Starting off as a kid, having the birthday party, right? Shooting the rad roaches with the little BB gun. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's so many great moments. There's so many great moments in this game at the end with your dad. You finally find them. You have to make a decision. Um, I just, I don't know what else to say. How about the part where you go inside of the, uh, I forget what it's called, the virtual thing, and it's like a 1950s black and white world. Are you kidding me? That was so slick. 
uh, finding the random vaults and just going in and, and you read the little lore about the vault and it'll be like this this vault had a bunch of fucking rad roaches in it that's all we did there it was just a bunch of rad roaches and you go in there and there's mutated rad roaches and shit inside right so yeah i think the reason i got this game was i saw someone on my friends list was playing it and i was looking at the achievements and all the icons were like the vault boy little mm -hmm. illustration and i was like oh that's a cool little guy i wonder what that game's all about and i thought the game was like that like <laughs> like cartoon Chibi like that? cartoony yeah, yeah. And I got it. I was young. I didn't know anything really about this game. Uh, so I got it and I put it in and I was like, holy fuck. It was not what I was expecting at all. Um, the VATS mechanic, like that took a while to get used to. But, you know, there hasn't been a Fallout game to me that is, I know some people will argue like New Vegas was great. There hasn't been a Fallout game, in my opinion, as good as this one. It's just, uh, it's fantastic. It's just so good. It, it did so much. It checked off so many boxes for me. It's just the mute, the fucking radio, like the Pip Boy radio, all the songs on there. Are you kidding me, dude? I don't want to set the motherfucking world on fire, dude. I don't. Yeah. All right. Three dog, dude. Are you kidding me? All I need to say. Brotherhood of Steel. Great choice. Come on. Yeah, this game's great. Yeah. Good choice. You just took me back down memory lane too, thinking about that game. It's a great game. It's really great. Yeah, it didn't didn't make my list, but I'm surprised because I know actually that you like that game. So I'm surprised. I do. I love that game. Yeah. Um, I love that game, but just didn't quite stack. I mean, it'd be an honorable mention if we kept going. But gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. That New Vegas and Fallout Four probably at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right, Brett. By number nine. Um, a sequel to my previous entry, if you will. Uh, another Star Wars game, and that is Jedi Fallen Order. Wow. Uh, in my opinion, this is the best Star Wars game ever made. Um, it is one of the best Star Wars stories ever told. Um, again, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and this game encapsulates and checks every box of what I would want in a Star Wars story. Right, you have a unconventional lead who is a fish out of water, right? You have a lead who has previous trauma that is related to the overarching story. You have an older mentor guiding this person, and then you have them going on a quest of self-discovery themselves, with the mix of you know the the fascist overlords trying to take over and fighting stormtroopers and the cool weird animals and species and all of that stuff uh this game encapsulates it all the worlds that you go to is slick the way that it's laid out right the metroidvania-esque way that you can approach approach it um and then really what it comes down to is the characters and the story uh seeing order 66 in a way that we've never seen it before yeah. um experiencing order 66 in a way that we've never experienced it before because up to this point you really haven't um it's just there's so many things about this game that work so well uh there was performance issues at launch i know i personally didn't experience any of that but like all good star wars things what i remember is the characters um 
and Cal Kestis is an awesome character. His mentor in this is an awesome character. The quest to go get your own lightsaber, being able to build your own lightsaber like that in any way that you want to, customize it in any way that you want to. And then the moment, there's a moment in this game that just takes your breath away as a Star Wars fan. Uh, and you all know what that moment is, and I'm going to spoil it right now because, Brett, you, you've beaten it, I've beaten it. I'm going to spoil it right now, so skip ahead a couple seconds if you don't want to hear it. But that moment when you're fighting uh the the what's what's her what she called the sister night sister night sister yeah uh and vader comes out i mean dude took my breath away yeah like and that is what i want darth vader to be upheld to i don't need anything more with darth vader i don't like need him shield to me but when you use him properly and you use him in the right way and just enough, he can be breathtaking for all of the wrong reasons. He is yeah. insidious in this. He is fucking a loose cannon in this. And when he comes in and just fucking whips his big cock out and is like, I'm here, bitch. And then you fight him, dude? Yeah. Get out of here, man. You always wanted that as a Star Wars fan and you know it. That and Rogue One are probably the two best Darth Vader moments in Star Wars media. Yeah. So, so uh, I, I love this game, man. I think it's the best Star Wars game ever made, and uh, that's all there is to it. There's no way it couldn't be in my top ten. Yeah, it's a great game. I didn't know you held it to that, that regard. I didn't know you held it that high. Um, I agree. Fantastic game. It didn't make my list, unfortunately. Um, I had a lot of issues with it, but it's great. It's a great game. The story's great. I had a lot of fun with it. You know, I loved how it was almost Souls-like in the combat. Yep. So there's there's a lot of things that I liked about it, too. It just, unfortunately, didn't make my list. All right. Number eight, Josh. This is a game that you said right. couldn't be on the list. Look at, look at that smirk right there. This is a game that you said couldn't be on your list because it's technically not a game. Uh, I disagree. Shit, brother. I disagree. Oh, shit. And not only do I think... Put it up this high? Not only do I think it's a game, I think it is one of, if not the best, horror games of all time. Oh, my God. What a statement. This is P.T., wow. ladies and gentlemen. And there's two reasons why this is on my list, okay? Wow. We're going to start... Mind right now. Okay, good. We're going to start with this, okay? There's two reasons why it's on my list. <laughs> one is the gameplay, the game itself. And number two is the experience and the phenomena that is the game. So number one, we'll talk about the game. What makes the game good? What makes it worthy of a top 10 in a best list, okay? PT is, you know, by definition, a very simple game. It is a very, you know, Quick concept game. What if there was a hallway, a, a small hallway you walked through, and when you reached the door at the end, you poked back out on the other side, okay? Very simple concept. But my God, Hideo Kojima took that concept, and he's a crazy fucking human being, I just want to say. He took that concept, he put it on its head, and he said, we're going to do that, but every time you go through, something's going to change. Or the the player needs to do something in order for that thing to change. So when this game released, I don't want to talk about I don't want to talk about the phenomena yet. I want to talk about just the game itself. 
it's ter- it's fucking terrifying. Okay, it is one of the scariest games I've ever played. Why is there a crying fetus in the fucking bathroom? Why is there a random peephole in the bathroom? Why is there a woman shaking like crazy, floating towards me? Why is there a ceiling or a fridge strapped to the ceiling with chains all around it with crying humans inside? Why is there random writing on the walls? Who are these old people in these photos? Why is there a guy on the radio talking about a guy who killed his whole family? What is happening? Okay. The game is terrifying. If you haven't played PT or experienced PT, it is terrifying. It is so fucking scary. Okay. Now let's talk about Josh, the phenomena, the, you know, the whole experience that is PT. I don't remember what the event was, but Sony has an event. I think it was Gamescom in Germany, I believe. They have an event and they show off this new indie game that's being developed by a small horror or a small indie studio. It's a horror game. They don't show much about it. They just show a graphic with the words PT on it, the little developer logo, and it says demo available now. Go download it on the PlayStation Store. I'm a horror fan, Josh. I saw that and I said, I'm going to download that shit right now. Let's try it out. So another friend of mine did the same and we start playing. Obviously the gameplay loop, quite literally loop happens and I'm in the same room over and over and over again. And I discover that if I do one thing, I progress and I'm now in a different looking version of that same hallway. So I tell my friend, Hey, if you do this, this changes. We do that back and forth and we're just progressing through this weird game. Okay. It gets to the point, Josh, where it literally starts blowing my mind. The lights start. I'll be walking in the hallway. It's now green. I walk through again. It's now red. I walk through again. It's blue. Now it's a maze and it's completely different layout. And there's pictures of eyeballs on the walls that are spinning around like crazy. Every little thing we did would change the, the game. And we didn't know how exactly or why exactly we were doing it. But it was almost like a puzzle game, right? What did we have to do to progress? I don't want to dwell too much longer. Basically, we got to the point where we couldn't figure out how to progress anymore. And all of a sudden, a streamer on Twitch records the ending of the game, the demo. And it reveals, Josh, that PT is not actually PT. The PT stands for Playable Teaser because this was a teaser for Silent Hills, a game being developed by Hideo Kojima for Konami with Guillermo del Toro. And then there's a cutscene at the very end, and it reveals that the main character you were playing as the whole time in this demo is Norman Reedus. It broke the internet. It broke Twitter. It broke my fucking brain. Okay? All goes quiet. You know, we're waiting for this game. We're waiting for Silent Hills. It never comes, Josh. The game gets canceled. We find out that Junji Ito was involved. We find out that this was going to be the greatest horror game of all time. And for that, I'm saddened. But we still have PT in some form on some consoles. Not everyone can play it anymore. It's, you know, you can't download it anymore. But it has one of the best legacies of a video game ever. It's one of the greatest, scariest, fucking most terrifying games I've ever played in my life. And it's worthy of a top 10 spot. And it's worth being on my list. And that's why PT is number eight. And I'll forever be holding out hope that we finally get Silent Hills or Kojima's horror game 
That's it. I agree. I would argue though that nothing that uh, Kojima, nothing that is produced without Kojima, will ever be as good as what PT could have been. I agree. If Regar they do regardless of who's involved. Yeah, I could care less if it's. I could care less of another. I mean, listen. Do I want another Silent Hill game? Yeah. Will I yeah. care as much if it's not this Silent Hill game? No. No. Kojima has such a fucking wacky brain and the things he does in his games like the psycho Manus stuff in metal gear he just thinks about games differently and mm -hmm. that's evident with pt and then josh i don't want to dwell on it too much longer i know i'm taking up way too much time with this one game but then there's theories that pt all along was actually a jab at konami and he knew that the game wasn't going to get made, but they wanted him to make a demo for it. And he was like, why am I wasting my time? And the whole game was just mocking Konami because he knew the game wasn't going to get made. You know? Right. I just, uh, if you haven't heard about that theory, look it up. If you haven't seen anything about this game, look it up. Um, we actually played it on Twitch. I don't know if the, the replay is on Twitch anymore. I don't even know if it's on our YouTube channel. It might be. But the original <clears throat> trailer that we caught when... Uh, we beat the game is on our channel. It still. is. So, so go check it out, guys. And, uh, you know, that's it. Josh, go ahead. Know what's your number eight? Yeah. All right, Brett. My number eight is a game that was already on your list. Uh, so I won't dwell on it too, too much, even though it's in the top ten. Uh, and I'm going to echo, echo everything that you said. But that is Left 4 Dead 2. Wow. Yeah. Left 4 Dead 2 is my number eight. First of all, I spent a lot of time in this game as a kid. We did together. I spent a lot of time with people who, you know, was friends with in high school, middle school, whatever. Come home, play this game, mainly the multiplayer um, when I was younger and the, um, you know, the mode where it's like you play zombies or humans and you're the co-op versus whatever story. Yeah, versus mode. That's it. Um, played the fuck out of it, man. And then we did, rediscovered it again later and played it on 360 with some mods and other stuff. It's just, it, this game is like comfort food to me. I have a lot of fond memories of it. We still played it recently um, with that new, you know, DLC fan, DLC whatever expansion. It's just a great game, and it is what I hold the standard to to other games like it, as far as like co-op games and zombie games go. Um, I know people didn't love the setting and stuff as much as Left 4 Dead 1 or the characters, but you also got them in Left 4 Dead 2 in a better version of yep, it, yep, yep. Um, which, which I believe you said as well when you talked about it. Um, so, yeah, man, this... I, I just... I, I love this game. I have fond memories of it, um, but I won't I won't talk about it. That That's fine. I'm happy to see it get in love. To say. I'm happy to see it get in love and it being so high on your list. Nothing else left to say about it. Ah... Well, Josh, number seven is a game that was on your list already. Oh, shit. And it is Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. Wow. This game was going to be in my Fucking top ten for sure. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, this Makes is sense. the first FPS game I ever played online uh, along with Team Fortress 2. I actually got it free with my first Xbox 360 that I bought used. Some guy sold it to me with a stack of games. And this was one of them. And I was like, I don't like war games. I played Medal of Honor when I was a kid. I don't like that shit. And mm -hmm. one of my friends was like, dude, this game's like getting like talked about a lot. You should try it at least. And I did. And I was like, holy shit, this is phenomenal. Um, from there, I played it with all of my friends, all the kids from school. Um, it was interesting because even like 
the popular kids, quote unquote, you know, we'd all play together and then we'd go to school and we'd be able to talk about it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, it was a really important game for me in my life in that time. And then you and I started playing it together and we, we kind of bonded over it. And then when the remaster mm-hmm. came out, we played it even more. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, on top of the single or the multiplayer being great, it has a great campaign, great story. Um, it's the total package. It's it's one of the best Call of Duty games. It's my favorite Call of Duty game, and that's why it is the last one on my list. So, yeah, that's that. All right, Brett, my number seven. My number seven is a game that I think you probably knew was coming on my list. It is a Remedy title, and that is Alan Wake. Yep. Wow. Um, <laughs> this game is a mindfuck. Uh, it is a masterpiece. It is a master class in horror psychological storytelling. Um, and how I came about this game is very interesting. I knew nothing about it. Didn't know who Remedy was. Didn't know who Sam Lake was. Didn't know what Alan Wake was. Our friend Carlos, mm. if you remember, got really hype about this game. And he got it. Um, and I think I saw a little of him play it at his house, and I was like, damn, this game looks fucking wacky, dude. Um, so I went and picked it up and played it. Uh, it blew my mind. Um, it is equivalent to Twin Peaks, uh, but not uh, as dreamlike, if that makes sense, because uh, it's a nightmare. You are literally living a nightmare. Um it's just so cool, man. So you start off, you're a writer, Alan Wake. You go to this town, um, Wright Falls. You are there to try to jog some memory or just get rid of your writer's block and you know create another novel because he's a very popular novelist. Uh, and basically what starts to happen, Brett, is you start living this nightmare of his writings coming to life. So you start to find notebook pages, or not notebook pages, but pages from this novel that he's writing that you then live and experience, right? You get disconnected from your wife, you're trying to find her, you fight these people called um, the, I think they specifically are called the Taken, and they're like shrouded in darkness that you have to shine light on them to be able to kill them and stuff. Light is your safe haven, and it's just so weird, man. It, I, at the time, I didn't experience anything else like this i've never experienced storytelling the way that this did is where you would find things in the world right that you as the character wrote and then you would experience them and if you didn't find those things right because they're essentially collectibles then you wouldn't know how to combat the situation so it's it's just a very interesting dynamic from the character's perspective of where you are living everything that you wrote, right? Experiencing your own nightmares that you're creating while also trying to save your wife. You have this awesome side character um, who is your agent um, or publisher called Barry. And there's a lot of like cool, funny moments between that. But the game does such a good job of making you feel such utter dread and hopelessness that those few moments that you chase throughout the game, because there's not much relief, are really, really impactful. Um, And the voice acting is great. The story behind this game and how it came about is super interesting. Um, And it's just another example of my list of why I think Sam Lake is like the best writer in video games. Um, Because he 
like Kojima or like a uh, David Lynch has such a different perspective and view on telling stories, right? Yeah. And how to tell them. It's just super fascinating. So I really want this game to get a remake um, or I really, 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 really want a sequel to this game because you can absolutely do a sequel to this game. The ending is slightly open-ended to say the least. And you can absolutely do a sequel to this game. And interesting enough, Control started out as a sequel to this game, right? So when th right, so when things happen in Control, and then there's a DLC in Control called Altered World Events that you know I won't spoil anything, but let's just say things are happening that blew my fucking mind and reminded me of why I loved Alan Wake so much. Uh, so Remedy and Sam, like if you're listening please make a sequel to this game because I want it um, or remake this game and then make a sequel because I want that too. Uh, and then take American Nightmare and thread it into the original game uh, because that's a great DLC as well. Uh, Sam Lake, I love you and I love this game. Nice. I started playing Alan Wake. I didn't actually get into it. Um, I do want to try it out. If they did remake it, I would play the hell out of it. Uh, the only game I've played of his is Quantum Break. And yeah. That was a fine game. I liked it. So yeah, and arguably it is a great game, and arguably the weakest. There, out of well, there you that go. Set. So that just tells you. Yeah. Nice. I knew it was going to be on your list. I know you you really like that game. That is a game that you do talk about a lot. So yeah. All right, number six, We're getting there. Uh, it's a game that you've already mentioned. I don't want to dwell too long on it. I agree with everything you said, and I actually spoke about a lot of the points uh, I was going to bring up already. It's Bloodborne. You know, first Souls game I ever played, if you want to call it that. Um, the world is beautiful. You know, the things they do, the stuff with the insight, how the world changes, you know, as you progress. You know, the different social commentaries, the political commentaries, uh, the commentary on religion and science. Um, combat, the mechanics of being able to heal yourself by, you know, rushing in and getting a couple more hits off. Uh, everything about it. Bloodborne is just like... It's not a perfect game, but it's a game made for me. Uh, I think mm -hmm. the one thing I said I did want to save for when I talked about it is one of my favorite moments in the game. And it is when you discover an invitation. If you go back to where you started in the beginning of the game, you find an invitation. If you go to a location outside the Witches of Hemwick's boss fight arena, a carriage will appear if you have the invitation. It'll take you and whisk you off to a brand new area that a lot of people don't even know exist in the game. I would say 90% of the players that play Bloodborne have never even experienced this area. Really? I would say. It's it's wow. very, it's very, very hard to find. You would have to well, know. I guess I guess we're just in the know then. I guess so. And that's actually one of the things. Ah, I see you're in the know. One of the little uh, messages you can leave. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I truly don't think many people know about this location. It's optional, completely optional. And it's Martyr Ligarius' oh. castle. I guess you're right. It is fucking optional. Damn. Kanehurst Castle. Dude, that fucking area is fucking slick. It's a giant castle. You know, it's it's actually more like Elden Ring style, like what you would expect Elden Ring to be, right? Like this giant castle. 
you progress throughout the whole castle, Josh, and when you finally get to the top, you have one of the fucking most insane, hardest boss fights you'll ever fucking see. One of the most fun boss fights you'll ever play. And it's the fight with Martyr Ligarius. He is fucking insane. He is the king. And he flies around. He throws a sword down on the ground. If it hits you, you get hurt. And then souls start flying around the fucking sword. And you have to fucking shoot it with your gun or smack the sword and make it go away. It's crazy, dude. Because of that, because I love it so much, I'm actually wearing his crown uh, in Bloodborne, my character. Every playthrough I do, he wears the crown, and I have uh, the Kanehurst armor uh, soldier set. That's what I wear. So, Bloodborne is fantastic. It is one of the best games of all time, and that's why it's on my number six spot. There you go. Wow, you just blew my mind. I, Because <laughs> I experienced that area on my first playthrough. Probably because someone told you about it you didn't probably you yeah you you probably didn't discover it on your own right that's the thing dude that area is fucking nuts dude there's like giant and from creatures and in a design perspective it's so juxtaposed to everything else that you've experienced yep mm. it's a yeah, snowy and, world yeah and listen we we talked about this game uh, a lot last week too so make sure you check that out if you didn't yeah um because now I'm regretting not putting this game higher on my list. The one area. Uh, no, I mean, a lot of, I mean, just us talking about it. And yeah. Stuff. I mean, not, listen, it was 14 on my list, but yeah. All right, good shit. Yep. That's going to be high. That's going to be high on our overall. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Brett, my number six. A game I know it's not even on your list. Uh, another Souls game, and that is Dark Souls 2. I know you. I know you have a lot of problems. Least favorite, game. least favorite. Uh, it's funny because it's your least favorite, but it's my favorite. Different play styles, you know. You prefer yeah, um, certain things. Man, I fucking love this game. I fucking love this game so much. Some for all the right reasons, and some for all of the fucking wrong reasons, man. Uh, Brett, are you still there? Yep, you're frozen for me as well. Okay, that's weird. Uh, anyway, a little glitch in the matrix at a uh, haptic HQ. Anyway, um, I fucking love this game so much, man. So first of all, the combat is right up my alley. It is slow, methodical, and thoughtful in my opinion. And that is what this game caters to is you have to be slow and methodical because if you just try to go in and slash your way, like a lot of other souls games, you're going to fucking die. It just doesn't work. Yep. So here's, here's how I play the game. Full Havel set immediately, okay? Full maxed out ultra great sword immediately. Big fucking burly man going through and just fucking slowly slashing your way through the world. That's how I played this game. Um, and it just met me perfectly. Now, something else I should add is I played this after playing Bloodborne. So Bloodborne was my entry to the series, and then I played this. I played through the entire game with our good friend, Sean, okay? So let me finish the good stuff before I get to the, the fucking abysmal shit about this game. Um, all the boss fights are cool. I think the, actually playing through with somebody in this game made me enjoy it more. Um, there's just, there's some design concepts with certain areas in this game, unlike other Souls games that I think really benefit having at least one co-op partner with you. Um, the lore, the stories, specifically all of the uh, the lore and the quest lines for um, the uh, God, the I can't think of the name the the 
Jesus Christ. Yes. The the covens, the fucking what are they called? The factions, whatever the, you call it in this game, are super interesting that also lead to boss fights themselves, um, which are really, really cool. And then there is uh, just some of the dynamics in the world. Like there is a merchant where if you keep buying stuff off of this merchant, like he gets like full of himself. Yeah. Um, and then it changes what you can buy from him or how much things cost because you're essentially you're the only person feeding his status, right? His rich status uh in the world there's just a lot of cool little stuff like that um and a lot of really interesting areas and how you go about discovering them in this game like all souls games do like how the world connects is cool but this in particular had had some moments that just fucking like blew my mind at the very beginning when you get to majula there's a well eventually you can go down that well um and it's literally presented to you at the beginning of the game you would have never suspected, but you have to do a specific quest line to be able to get an item to be able to go down that well with the cat ring, and it's just, it's awesome. Otherwise, you take fall damage. Right. And then there is how the co-op works in this game. Awful. Worst part of the game. <laughs> ruins the whole thing for me. I hate it. It's so abysmal. It's so fucking abysmal. There is, first of all, uh, something called soul memory in this game. Which basically, there's tears to soul memory. And you can only summon or go to people's worlds that are in the same tier of soul memory as you. And soul memory just means literally how many souls you have collected throughout the game, right? From how many bosses you've killed, enemies you've killed, whatever it is. So however many souls you've had up to that point, whether you've spent them or not, determines what your soul memory tier is. So trying to play this game with somebody else is a very fine balancing act. Someone specific. Right. Somebody specific, exactly. You have to be in the same soul memory tier as them. And if you're one way or another, then you can't summon each other. Um, and specifically playing with Sean, it, it doesn't impact you too much at the beginning of the game if you're going pound for pound with somebody right? But Sean was doing a specific build that he was doing magic and spells. So he had to go kind of go off and grind and get some things that I didn't need that he didn't particularly need help with. Same thing for me. I had to go off and get some upgrade materials for my Havel set and stuff like that. So I could do that. So we would occasionally go off and do our own thing and then come back together to go through new areas and complete boss fights. The problem is if you go too much in one direction, then you're fucking your buddy that you want to summon and you can't summon each other. And trying to figure out and us discovering that the soul memory tears was a thing. Such a fond moment in my mind of Sean. Another example of Sean just being like, dude, you're not going to believe it. <laughs> and this is his number six, folks. This six. is Josh's number six. Because I, I love the game too, but even more so, I love the memories around the game. Yeah. Playing with Sean, even if some of them are absolutely abysmal. Uh it's just, I, I, I'm just so fond of this game in so many ways for both very good reasons and very wrong reasons. Uh, and that's why it's my number six. Excellent. All right. Well, let's move on. We are now in top five territory. Top five, folks. Things are heating up. Okay. My number five is a game in a franchise that has literally a billion games. Mm -hmm. I boiled it down to one of the games. Oh, shit. 
I've been playing these games since I was literally five years old. Wow. And the game that I chose as my number five is Pokemon Soul Silver. Oh. Josh, Soul Silver and Heart Gold are the two best Pokemon games of all time. Hands down, no questions asked. That's it. And I like to believe it's not just my opinion and that the whole world agrees with me, but I don't know if they will. Um, the reason it's great is number one, Gen 2, Gold and Silver, uh, Johto, one of the best in the whole franchise. Okay. Not only just because of the content of that gen itself, Josh, you get to go back to Kanto. You get to go to Gen 1. After you beat the game, you literally get all of the first Pokemon game to go back to. Oh, shit. So you play through Johto. It's great. It's amazing. It's a great experience. Josh, you get on a boat. You head to Kanto. You go through eight more gyms, and you go through the Elite Four. It's Really? It's fantastic. It's fantastic. The best part, though, Josh, is a memory I'll never forget as a young kid. This was with the original Silver version, okay? You go to this mountain, and you're fighting. You can only access this mountain after you've beaten the, the whole game, everything. You go to the mountain. You go to the very top. It's filled with, you know, hard Pokemon to fight. Josh, do you want to know who's at the very top of the mountain? Who's that? Trainer Red. Josh, Trainer Red is the character you play as in the first Pokemon games. In Red and Blue. And you fucking fight him. And he has a team of level 70. Pikachu, Charizard, Blastoise. Like, all of the he like heavy hitters, dude. And you have to fight him. And, and you, the best part is how they treat his character is because in the original Pokemon games, you don't really talk. You just say yes or no to options, right? You don't actually have any dialogue. When you approach him, his dialogue is just dot, 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 dot. Like, he doesn't actually say anything. He's a silent, a silent character. Mm. Um, it's fucking great, dude. It's so great. So what makes Soul Silver and Heart Gold, right, so good as remakes? What makes them the definitive? They kept everything about Gold and Silver that made them great and just expanded upon it, Josh. There's things in this game. So number one, you can make Pokemon follow you and they walk with you in the overworld. So whatever Pokemon's at the front of your party, they're walking with you. And that just creates such a, you know a different experience because you feel like you actually have them with you. They're not just in some menu. You actually have your favorite Pokemon walking around with you in the overworld. You can interact with them. This is something that they did in Pokemon yellow version on the original game boy. And they kind of just brought it back for this. And it just, it's a feature that I don't know why they ever took it away, but they did. Uh, there's another thing that they added. Um, I forget exactly what the name of the item was, but it allows you to switch the music back from, the newer remastered remake versions of the songs back to the Game Boy versions of the songs. Mm. And it switches every area you go in. It automatically knows and it switches it. And it's so fucking amazing. Uh, they added some like new story stuff as events that you could do. Uh, specifically like uh, Spiky Eared Pichu. Some people might know what I'm talking about there. Celebi. Um, the stuff with the, your rival and his dad who you find out is actually the leader of Team Rocket, Giovanni. Uh, there's so much stuff that they they packed into this, and I, you know, it's just 
it's phenomenal. Pokemon Soul Silver is the one specifically that I played, so that's the one on my list. Um, it came with the Poke Walker, which allowed you to take a Pokemon from your game, put it inside the Poke Walker, and it was a little pedometer, and you leveled it up by walking around. Um, yeah, this is, in my opinion, you know, being able to go and play in Johto and Kanto in the same game, it's the best Pokemon game, hands down. Damn, where's our Switch port at, dude? Dude, if they made a Switch port and it was literally just a port, like just DS game on the Switch, I'd be like, dude, let's go hop on it because it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I mean, from your description, I'd play it immediately. It's it's not like, you know, more modern, obviously, because it was on the DS, but it was right, right. it was like right before the 3DS. So, yeah, you know, very cool. That's right. All right. Um, my, oh yeah, my number five, Brett, a game I you probably knew was coming as well on my list. That is the Witcher three wild hunt. Nice. First of all, I just want to say, I only played this game because of you. <laughs> and I never, I never finished it. And you never <laughs> finished it. And I beat the fuck out of it. Well, cause, um, because it was a situation where, you know, it might not have been the game for me, but I was like, dude, right. this is a game for you. Like, mm -hmm. you would like this. And you were right. Yeah. Um, so this is an example of a game when CD Projekt Red was good. Um, mm -hmm. This game is so fantastic, my man. Yeah. I mean, it is just top to bottom a fucking slapper. It is, in my opinion, like in the top three of the best Western RPGs ever made. More specifically, the top two, I think, best Western RPGs from another one that is going to be on my list very shortly here that we will talk about. Um, this game is awesome. First of all, the characters. All of them are interesting and super compelling. Specifically, Geralt and Ciri and your journey to find Ciri and get her. The flashback sequences. I mean, all the side characters. The way... It's just so deep and complex, and there's so many intertwining paths of all these different characters' stories. First of all, you don't have to play Witcher 1 or Witcher 2 to enjoy it. Um, I only played a little bit of Witcher 2, um, and I never played the previous ones. And This game does a good job of giving you the backstory that you need for it, um, which is specifically between Geralt um, and you know Yennefer and some of these other characters. The opening sequence of Geralt in the bathtub, I'll never forget. That first part when you walk out on the balcony and you see how beautiful the game is. It's just, it's awesome, man. And then how everything is animated in the game. All of the side quests and your interactions with these side characters, whether the quest is small or large, there's facial animations and animations between them. It's just, it's so deep. It's just so deep and complex. And then there's the stuff with the wild hunt and the actual big bads of the game. And as you go along, they are fucking sinister. And the very end of the game, the set piece of it and where you are and how it plays out is just so mind-blowing. And at this point, you know, you've been in the game for 70, 80, 90 hours. So the payoff is like monumental. And the very, very end of this game and the final confrontation with the Wild Hunt, I would compare it to something like Star Wars Grandiose. It is incredible. Uh, this game is fantastic. It's deep. It is one of the best Western RPGs ever made. I love it. Uh, I suck it off. Um, yeah, I, it's just phenomenal. It's a great pick. I mean, that was game of the year when it came out for almost yeah. every outlet, right? 
Mm-hmm. So, good pick. Mm-hmm. All right, number four is a game that might surprise you. It's this high on my list, um, but it was coming, and you knew it was coming. I told you it was going to be here, and it hasn't come up yet. You had it on your list, Josh. My number four is Portal 2. Oh, shit. Portal 2 is one of my favorite games of all time, obviously. It's my number four yeah. on my list. Um, there's so many things that it does that you know tickle me. We already talked about a lot of the great things about it in our previous video. Uh, you know, the co-op, how it masterfully takes the concept of portal, puts it in a spot where two people can play it at the same time. The complexity of the puzzles that they had to come up with for that. That's just the co-op alone. The story is phenomenal. They take this, they make portal look like a tech demo. Okay. They take it, they give it a story. They make it, um, bigger than it ever was. They take the test labs and they start making them dilapidated and they introduce the character of Wheatley, who is phenomenal. The voice actor for him is absolutely great. Uh, yep. And, you know, they just they just tell this this story, man. And it's fantastic. There's one moment in this game and we didn't mention it in the previous video. And the moment is what cemented it for me as a top five contender is when spoilers go ahead a minute. Or a couple seconds, whatever. Uh, you shoot a portal, Josh, on the moon. Oh. And that is how you defeat the boss. Is You suck yeah. them up through a portal and they get sucked out into space. Yeah. Um, wow. What a moment. You literally see the roof ripping off of the boss arena and you see the moon. And you look at it and you're like, no. <laughs> And you hover over it, dude, and it has the icon indicating that, yes, you can place a portal on it. <laughs> and you just, you're, you're like, no, but you can, and it does, and it happens. Uh, portal, portal 2 is phenomenal. What a game. Then the ending, the elevator ride up to the surface, um, beautiful. Oh, God, yes. Beautiful. Oh shit. Unforgettable moment. And you you finally you get up to the top in the cornfields and they kick the, the companion cube out with you. And it's just you and the companion cube. Um, all the stuff with Cave Johnson, the back the backstory that they added to the to the game, like old school test chambers and stuff, all the gels, the repulsion gels and and all that, like none of this can be overlooked. This game is is fantastic and it's it's worthy of a top five for sure in my eyes. Very good. Very, very good. That game's going to be very high on our overall too. Yeah, I think the next couple are going to be pretty high as well. Oh, boy. Okay. All right, Brett, my number four. Um, <clears throat> in my opinion, the best Western RPG ever made um, with a setting in Eastern feudal Japan. Maybe a little after feudal, but in Japan. And that is Ghosts of Tsushima. Nice. Um, this game is a masterpiece. All of these games moving forward are a masterpiece, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I mean, this, this game is a beautiful love letter to old Japanese samurai cinema. Um, specifically Akira Kurosawa, of who, which I'm a big fan. Uh, this game encapsulates it perfectly. The title sequence in this, it has the best title sequence 
in any game I have ever played in my life. You're riding the horse, you go out, it goes from that letterbox thing to full screen, you're running across the fucking field with the grass moving in the wind, and the music is just fucking kicking in, my man, and it's fucking perfect, and every part of this game is perfect. Now, you could make an argument that the story is not incredible, and I would agree, but the story is perfectly serviceable and emulates that old style of Japanese-style cinema where there's more of a focus on the combat and how you get there rather than the actual complexity of the characters in and of themselves. Um, but it's fantastic. It's gorgeous. The They kind of took the Ubisoft-like almost formula for open world games but made it way more impactful and better like the elements of the world that you interact with feel right and perfect from the foxes to the shrines that you go to which act as the towers to open up everything the puzzle solving and the traversal ways that you combat that the side like small boss fights that you can be in one slash if you time things perfectly and unlock armor and lore it is just a perfect game a masterpiece and a master class in video games um i love it it's fucking slick that's my number four i haven't finished it yet but it's a beautiful game for sure uh they take things that you know they take they take a, a thing which is you know samurai cinema and they perfectly convert it into a video game format. And mm -hmm. it's it's a beautiful thing that they treat it with care and they treat it with love. They're not disrespectful, you know. Right. They're not being, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they're not appropriating anything. They, right. you know what I mean? They, they do it in a beautiful way. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. Very good game. All right, top three. Wow, we're here. Look at us. Who would have thought? It's been a long time. <sighs> All right. Well, it's been 84 years. It feels like it has. And it's time. It's time to reveal my number three. Josh, quite simply, God of War. It's God of War. Um, Sure. Do I consider this like one of my favorite games of all time? Yeah. But there's two more games that are, in my opinion, even better, which is insane, because to me, this is like the perfect game. OK. Um, it is. In every way. In the combat, in the story and the acting, they made me care about a character like Kratos, a character that up until this point, the only thing I knew about him was that. He literally fucks bitches and quite literally gets money <laughs> by just killing gods. Okay. Big beat like meathead. I didn't care about fucking Kratos dude at all. They made me care about him. And not only did they make me care about him, they made me care about his annoying little son, Atreus as well. And their journey. And at the, at the core of it, Josh, God of war is a very simple story. It's about a, a father who's teaching his son how to be a man, but struggling with revealing the fact that he's more than that. And on top of that, their journey, which is simply, we're taking our dead 
wife or you know lover and mother her ashes to the highest point in the realm you know to set her free that's it that's all this game is it's just so beautiful the graphics the scenery the set pieces the relationships uh, you know balder is maybe one of the best villains of all time and I know I'm like kind of jumping all over the place, but as things are hitting me, I'm just saying them. Balder is one of the greatest. The characters are amazing. Balder is one of the greatest villains of all time. You know what makes a villain great? When you can relate to them. When they have a cause that you can understand and you also kind of agree with. They're not handling the situation in the way you would have, but you know you understand why. And this is great a great villains are the hero of their own story, dude. Exactly. Balder was a man who was hurt by his mother who did everything she could to overprotect him but in the end it caused him the most pain of all that's balder and when you fight him for the first time as kratos is the moment you know that this game is going to slap your motherfucking dick off and it does it does it absolutely takes your dick rips it off spins it around and then puts it back on dude the way it's presented, one take, the whole game. Come on, man. The way the axe feels when you throw it. Yeah. It's a this is a perfect game. That's all I have to say. I know it's gonna come up for yeah. you as well, so I'll I'll let you handle the rest. But God of yeah. War is just a phenomenal game. It's just first of all, Corey Barlog is like <sighs> a fucking madman. I mean, I can, and he's talked about it too, like his concept for this game with the one take and how it was being portrayed. You know, nobody was on this man's team. You know, nobody else thought this guy was sane in the head for thinking about doing this with God of War. I mean, and then seeing his reaction to the positive reviews and how it was received, there's a third act reveal. I mean, not even third act, like at the end of the game, there is a reveal that is monumentous fucking like implications that it presents for the story and it sets up the next game and that's it. And then there's a after credits thing after you go home that is, uh, it sets up the next game even more. <laughs> this, uh, this is the game that Brett and I talk about a lot of like what we will hold all future narrative driven games too this is the benchmark and the standard for that if you play this game and then you try to go back and play a game that came out before it you're gonna have a bad time it's gonna ruin every game for you so if yeah. you haven't played a god of war play everything else first because this is gonna ruin them all yeah and it's not like there isn't other great games and good narrative games and they still are but they're not gonna be as good as this it's like breaking bad in television Breaking Bad is the pinnacle of TV, in my opinion, and nothing else will get there ever. They'll be great, sure, but nothing else will get there. So that's right. Um, all right, that will come up on my list very soon, and I won't talk about it that much. But yeah, <laughs> I think there's there's going to be a lot of crossover here with these next few. Yeah, my number three, Brett, something that was already on your list, but I've got some things to add to it. Okay, and that is The Last of Us Part Two. Wow, where was that on mine? That was number 13. 
Um, we've talked about this game a lot on our channel. We know that it's not for everybody. We know that people don't like that game, and that's perfectly fine. We don't support the negative outlash or backlash and the things come like curled at the actors and the director and stuff like that. Um, but I know this game is not for everybody. Um, and I've said this next statement several times before on this channel, but I have never been challenged by a piece of media and art more in my entire life than I was with this game. These are characters that I'm already close to and invested in. Uh, and I think I should probably just say that there, I can't talk about this game and why I love it without spoilers. So yeah. there's going to be spoilers for The Last of Us Part Two. Okay, so maybe in the description, we'll, I'll like link around or whatever, or I'll put a spoiler thing up. Just I'm going to spoil this game right now. Okay. First of all, when Joel dies, right at the beginning of the game, and watching Ellie react to Joel dying is fucking soul crushing, my man. And I'm going to like tear up thinking about it right now. It is fucking soul crushing. And I cried when it was happening because, first of all, Ashley Johnson, man, holy fucking shit. If this isn't the pinnacle of performances for video game characters, I don't know, or the video game actors, I don't know what is. Like, that moment, I, I mean, she lost everything. She is completely finished and done and disgusted. And you as a player feel similarly because you're like, what the fuck, man? This game just started. Yeah. And Joel is dead. Not what you expect. The game just started, and he fucking gets his brains bashed in by this fucking Abby bitch that you now want to go kill, right? So at the beginning of the game, Ellie wants one thing. Wants one thing, and you know what it is, and you're with her, and you're like, Ellie, let's go fucking kill that bitch. Let's go kill Abby immediately. She's done. I want to kill all of those people. You're on her side. You're feeling the exact same thing that you are. And then you play Abby. And you're like, why the fuck am I playing as this human? Why the fuck am I playing as her? I want nothing to do with her. I want her to die. How can I kill her right now as me playing her? Can I jump off of this cliff and kill her immediately? And the story is done. You want her dead. That is what you feel, right? And that's what the game wants you to feel. And then you go throughout the game. Ellie wants revenge you're still there but you keep playing as abby and you see what's going on with her and eventually you know why she did what she did and then you play more as ellie and you're like something's off here i don't i don't want to go down this path anymore and people in ellie's life are telling her ellie you gotta stop this is it and then you keep playing as Abby more and you find more about the characters and her loved ones and what she's gone through and why she did what you did. And you begin to sympathize and empathize and understand this character. And even at the point where you understand this character, you're like, but yeah, you fucking suck too. The game you makes both you, suck. The game makes you realize that the world is much larger than just Ellie and Joel. There's Exactly. It's more complex and there's more stories out there. And you don't even think... It basically says, like, you know, you were playing as Joel in Last of Us 1, and you didn't even realize that the the things you were doing had consequences. There were consequences to your actions. And one of them was, unfortunately, Abby's father was... Right. Someone... Doctor. Exactly. That was trying to operate. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... In the game, I've never felt that dichotomy 
in myself experiencing a piece of media where you completely understand two conflicting characters life stories and paths that they're on you want both of them to stop but you know it's not going to and the world like the last of us one does so well is that here's the world it fucking sucks and guess what everybody in it sucks too Mm-hmm. Things are not cut and dry. Things are not black and white. People do shit and you either live with it or you don't. And it's going to literally kill you either literally like you were going to die or it's going to tear your life apart and you are going to be effectively dead. And then last point, at the end of the game, when you're in the kitchen with, um, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Dina. What's Ellie's? Dina. You're in the kitchen and you, it just you have this whole home presented to you, right? They're living together. They're happy. It's a little bit later. And you're like, okay, maybe Ellie's finally done. And then Tommy comes and they talk and Tommy like still wants revenge, obviously for his brother. And you don't think Ellie really does, but then you, they have this moment in the kitchen, dude, where Ellie is packing up, right? And she is going to kill Abby. That is her mission. And you as the player are so much like, Ellie, no, stop. You're like Dina. You're like Dina where you're like, you you can't do this. Yeah. And Dina comes down and she's like, basically, if you do this, like, I'm not going to be here when you get back. And Ellie's like, I got to do it. And then you go do it. And there's a fight, right? Both lose. Both lose. There's not a winner. You both lost. Everybody loses, right? You're both fucked. Even you. You're so fucked. Your finger's missing, you're all fucked. Everybody's fucked and bloodied and done, and you're fucking gutted and ripped apart emotionally. And then you go home, and it's empty. And Dina's gone, and you're done. You go to pick up the guitar. You can't even play. And you can't play the fucking song that connected you and Joel. The person why you started down this path, and guess what? Your one last connection to him is fucking gone because you couldn't let go and i have never fucking experienced that feeling of being so completely emotionally drained gutted and done in my entire life that's how i felt at the end of the game done and that is why this had to be in my top five my number three fuck man this game is insane it's incredible i agree and that's it all right Great choice. I'm not uh, going to argue your your numbering of the game because I would have put it higher if there weren't other games that pushed it down. Yeah. Uh, all right. Number two is a game that I know is on your list. And I, it might even be your number one. I don't know. But I know it's a game that we both hold very high. I'm not going to dwell too much on it because if it is on your list, that means it is in a higher place than it is on mine. And I want you to be able to speak to it. Josh, number two on my list is Persona 4 Golden. That isn't your number two, correct? No. Then I will speak uh, quickly about this game. Um, I heard about this little game on the PlayStation Vita called Persona 4 Golden, and I heard it is the must-play game on the Vita. This is the first time I ever heard about the Persona franchise, and I thought, huh, that game looks pretty cool. I got a Vita. This is the first game I got, that and Freedom Wars. Mm Mm-hmm. And this game absolutely rocked my world. It was something I've never experienced before in my life. I'm not typically a JRPG player except for Pokemon, which is like a like baby's first JRPG. 
Mm -hmm. uh, this game is is phenomenal. It's so stylish. It is from the music to the art style to the battle system to the confidant system to you know the personas themselves. I've never played anything like this. I've never played anything like this. The relationships between all of the characters in Persona 4 Golden felt so genuine and so real. They feel like that group of friends, you feel like you're actually a part of it when you're playing this game. And when you get to the ending and like, you know, you have to say goodbye, you actually get sad that you're leaving because you want more. So um, I won't say any more. I'm going to let you you wrap it up, Josh. But you played it on my recommendation and beat it before me. That's how much you liked it. So I will let you uh, in a few few moments speak to this. Uh, go ahead and move on to your number two. My number two, Brett, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because we just talked about it a lot. And I think you basically said everything that I would have. That's God of War. Mm -hmm. uh, the perfect game. The perfect narrative game. The game to which all games will be held to in the future, in my opinion. It is a perfect, 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 perfect narrative game. The combat is awesome. It feels so good. There's moments in this game that even if you haven't played God of War games before, specifically things like the Blades of Chaos, I mean, that will just fucking rock your world. And that first fight with Boulder, man, that is, <clears throat> what, maybe two or three hours into the game, right? So pretty much at the beginning. That's the moment where the game grabs you and it's like, let's fucking go, dude. And it just slaps from there on out. And it humanizes characters that have not been humanized before. The story is incredible. And the presentation with a single shot, like you said, is just... I The game wouldn't work the way it did without it. Um, and also, I want to talk briefly about the tech behind the game because... It, you know, was pushing the previous generation hardware to its limit when it came out. And thinking specifically about the fast travel, most fast travels, you open up a map, you click, click a thing, and then you can go there, right? And you go to a loading screen. No, you play the fast travel in this game. That's yeah. nuts. No yeah. game's ever done that before. It's fucking slick. I echo everything that you said about this game. It is incredible, beautiful, mind-blowing, a masterpiece. That's it. 10 out of 10. All right, we're here, boys. We're here. Josh, I want to preface this by saying this was our list of our top favorite games of all time. Mm -hmm. So your list was your favorite games. My list was my favorite games. Now, my favorite game of all time, my number one, is a game that you know. And it is also not a favorite game of many other people out there. This game is like a 7 out of 10 for normal people. But for me, it's an 11, okay? It's not necessarily the best game of all time. It's not God of War. It's not Persona 4 Golden. But this game... It's your favorite. It's my favorite. It checks all the boxes for me personally. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of horror. I'm a huge fan of third-person action horror games, survival horror. And I'm a huge fan of things that can make me laugh. You know, we like to have a good time. We like to laugh. You know, mm -hmm. that's just how it is. So my number one is a game published by EA, developed by Grasshopper... Grasshopper Manufacturer, and Suda51, and it is Shadows of the Damned. Yeah, Josh, what do you get when you get, when you take 
Resident Evil 4, the creator of Resident Evil 4, Suda51, and the composer of Silent Hill, and you put them all together. You get Shadows of the Dam, that's what you get. This game is literally Resident Evil 4 on drugs. It is a third-person shooter, uh, action, horror experience. You play as a, a character named Garcia Hotspur. You have a, a friend, companion named Johnson, who is a skull that turns into a gun called the Boner, uh, and then it turns into the Big Boner. Uh, the game is just dick jokes the game, and that's okay because it makes me laugh. But the story, in my opinion, is actually a lot better than people give it credit for. You know, it's your typical damsel, damsel in distress. You have to go save your, your girlfriend, Paula. Um, she gets captured by the leader of hell, essentially, and he takes her down to the underworld. Garcia is a demon hunter, and he's like, I will follow you to hell, and I will kill you. And I will kill anyone that gets in my way. And we will save Paula. And that's the game. You get on your motorcycle. You drive to the gates of hell. You fucking bust in. And you shoot motherfuckers. That's it. Uh, but the things they do, there's there's different things in the game that I think are really unique and really cool. So there's like darkness that that happens. And you have to use this thing called the light shot. And light these goat heads with like candles on them. And then it illuminates that area. You no longer take the damage that you would if you were in the dark area. So it's like a quick thing. You have to be quick with it. Um... There's parts that are 2D. Um, what's like? What is that style of game called? A, uh, a shoot 'em up, mm-hmm. where you're playing as Garcia and you like move up and down. And there's like enemies that like you're basically moving sideways like this, randomly in the game. That's just there. Um, there's a, a, a character named One-Eyed Willie, One-Eyed William, um, who shits when you use him. He's like a checkpoint, and he leaves and he shits. He loses a pile of shit. Um, the boss fights are amazing. There's a guy who swallowed a harmonica, and when he talks, he's just, like, making harmonica noises the whole time. Um, it's just everything... It came into my life at a time where, like, I was just looking for a new game to play. It was, like, $20 at GameStop. I bought it, and I was blown away away by how good it was. Um, I recommend it to all my friends because all my friends like the same things I do. They like horror. They like comedy. Um, Resident Evil, which is a huge, huge, huge inspiration for this game. Resident Evil 4 specifically. Um, so yeah, man, I think the soundtrack slaps. There's Evil Dead references throughout the whole thing. There's a part where you literally go to the cabin from the Evil Dead. Um, and then I don't want to spoil it, Josh, because I want you to play it. It's my favorite game. Which, I mean, not actively playing it, but I played the first little bit of it and I have it and I want to play it, so... I don't want to spoil it, but there's like a big reveal at the end of the game. Um, it's a very tragic game. It's a very, you know, uh, ugly but beautiful game. And there's just a lot of weird things in the game that are just like, okay, they did that. And it's just because Suda51 is fucking insane, right? Uh, so if you haven't played it, check out Shadows of the Damned. It's my favorite game of all time. Uh, not many people know about it. Not many people played it. If you're if you're a fan of the series No More Heroes or you know Travis Touchdown, uh, there is a spinoff of No More Heroes called Travis Strikes Again, and they actually made a whole part of that game a sequel to Shadows of the Damned. So um, that'll make a lot more sense if you do play the original. So check it out. I love it. I know Josh would love it if he finished it. So that's my number one. 
Very good. I got to get back to it. I uh, enjoyed it from the first. I played like the first few hours of it, uh, but I bought it on eBay relatively cheap uh, and I have it physically. I know it was on Game Pass, but I wanted it physically anyway because uh, I really like the cover. But yeah. Yeah, I actually have it on uh, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360. I have it digitally on both, I believe, as well, or at least on Xbox. And my number one goal, Josh, for our trip to Japan is to buy a Japanese copy because the cover is different and it's yes. really nice. It's very so, nice. I also want to own that. So yeah. hopefully we can both find a copy when we go. Yeah. So that's that. It was published by EA. So unfortunately, the likelihood of Ooh. it getting remade or, or like remastered, very slim to none. Uh, it was yeah. a commercial failure. It's become like a cult classic. So um, yeah, probably not going to not going to see a remake of it anytime soon. So just play it on your Xbox uh, one or your series X or S. So, yeah. All right. My number one, Brett game that you just mentioned, you knew it was coming folks. And that is persona four golden to say, I love this game would be an understatement. Um, this is the best game ever made. In my opinion, it is my favorite fucking game of all time. Nothing will ever come close to my feelings I have about this game ever. I don't care if you make another game that's the greatest game of all time. Nothing will beat this game. You know why, Brett? That comes down to one word. That's fucking family, dude. This game makes you feel like you are part of a family. Okay? This game came into my life at such a opportune time. I had just recently broke up with my girlfriend of a very long time. I was not depressed, but angry and like just kind of going through the motions of stuff. You got a Vita. He said, yo, you need to get a Vita. You need to play this game. So you know what? I did. I got a Vita. I bought this game and Freedom Wars, both on your recommendation. And when I sat down to play this game, I think my first play session was almost like 15 hours long. And it takes a while to get into it, by the way. The, the beginning is a little slow. I don't even think the game really starts or picks up until maybe a little after 10 hours in. Yep. And I sat down. I played the fuck out of this game in a single sitting. And then I was hooked. Forget it. Every free moment I had, I was playing it. This game, I was fucking sucking it off constantly. I played the fuck out of this hey, game. Hey, real quick. My folks. favorite time to play the game was in bed at night before I went to sleep. Yes. Yes. It and was comfy. It was comfy, and then I play it far too long and stay up way too late playing it. Um, but it was it, it just the the characters and how they introduce you to the characters and how you interact with them and the storytelling elements with the characters make you feel like you're part of a family and a team. And where my biggest criticism with Persona Five is is in recapturing that element of it. And it's not even to say that the characters are bad in Persona 5 because they're not. I love them. You're part of a team. But it's not the same. Man. It's more of a team, like, less of a family. True. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, and then, like, the feeling you get at the end of this game when, you know, you have to leave them and you're going home. And it's just, like, it just encapsulates feelings that you had as a kid sometimes with other certain friends or family or summer vacation or whatever it was. And it just so perfectly captures that essence in a bottle and makes you experience those feelings. And the 
Attention to detail and the care and your relationship with each character individually is so perfect and monumental and impactful. And the game, through its dialogue, right, which is really just text on screen, makes you understand how much you mean to all of the characters in the game. So then it just enhances the gameplay elements in the combat when you're in dungeons and you're getting fucked and you're like, who do I put on my team? Who do I go in with? How do I approach this combat scenario? And you find yourself getting impacted on combat and gameplay-based decisions from your relationships with the characters. No game's done that for me before. I've never thought about that in other games. I would be like, okay, who's going to give me the benefit? And in this game, I'm like, no, who am I closest with? Who makes sense for this? I'm going into this dungeon to fucking, you know, save this other person's soul. Who mimics that, like, the most? And the fact that you go through dungeons and learn a lot of backstory about the characters that are about to join your team later, it's just perfect, man. And I just... And then there's the fucking mystery aspect of it, too. And the fucking villain. Who the main villain is is fucking nuts. It's fucking nuts. And I also just want to say, by the way, that I guessed exactly who it was accurately before finding out in the game... Uh, and I could probably find those text messages between us from way back in the day and texting and be like, here's my opinion. Here's who I think it is. Because I think you got past that point before me in the game, before the reveal. Because then there's like 60 hours after that anyway. But yeah, um, it's just fucking perfect, man. It's also a perfect balance between difficulty um, as well in it. If you play, I don't remember if there's even a select, but, you know, I got my ass slapped quite a few times. Um but it never felt like you couldn't overcome it. Yeah, there's definitely um, some hard some hard boss fights in that game, but uh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the themes of the game also like, you know, finding your true self, you know, yeah. uh fighting fighting the basically fighting like the doubt and the fear of who your true self is. Now, there's a character mm -hmm. Kanji, right? Yeah. Kanji fights this thing of, you know, I don't necessarily think he was gay, but mm -hmm. he had this thing where, you know, in his head there was like a, like, I don't know how to flamboyant version of Kanji. Yeah. And he was afraid to let that out, right? Because he, he was supposed to be this macho, tough guy, typical man. And he was a little soft on the inside. And uh, yeah. you fight like this super, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Exaggerated version of Kanji that he sees on the inside uh, as the boss. And that's the whole the whole game is you basically fight the true, the inner versions, the shadow versions of characters in order to find their true self and make them, you know, come to terms with that, who they are. Right. So not only are it's you becoming just... friends with people, you're becoming friends with these people who have now found out who they truly are. Right. Right. Well, who you had a hand in helping them with. Exactly. And all along the way are helping you do the same thing. The game is like, hey, don't box yourself in, right? Don't be afraid to let out whoever it is or whatever your feelings are. And yeah, guess what? There's some shitty people out there, but you can overcome it with like the power of friendship. And I know that sounds like cliche, but like just the way that it presents it, it's just like, it just embraces the, like not the absurdity, but the cheese of it all. Yeah. And it's like, this is it. You all have these opinions and feelings. So like, let's just do it, man. Let's just like exist. And it's just, I just fucking love this game so much, man. It is comfort food. It is slick. And then we didn't even talk about it. And uh, Let's move. We can move on because I know this. This is like a long fucking video and topic segment, um, but it's important. It's just the music, man. It's yeah. just it's fucking next level, dude. It's fucking ridiculous. Every single song is a fucking slapping 
tune, dude. It's yeah. just good. It's just great. And that goes to every for every Persona game. The Persona yeah. games are just they're known for having really great music. Um, yeah. But this one specifically, it fits the just like Persona 5's music fits Persona 5. Persona mm -hmm. 4's music fits Persona 4 perfectly, right? So, and the setting, so, we, we didn't talk about the setting either. Um, what is the town called? Inaba? Yeah. What a cozy little town that game takes place in. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, listen. Persona 4 Golden is one of the best games ever made and one of my favorite games ever made as well. Um, I don't want you to think because it's not my number one that you know, it doesn't mean a lot to me because it does. Truly, all the games on this list mean a lot to me, specifically right. the top 10. Uh, right. But I think when you when we sit down and we, we see what Haptic Intel's list is, uh, that's going to be like our true, you know, yeah, our true list. Because you yeah. and I, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. We've been friends for a long time, over 10 years mm -hmm. at this point. Our interests are yeah. so similar. Uh, you know, I think that we put together great lists. And I think in the end, our top 10 list of both of our lists combined is going to be just a bunch of fantastic, fantastic games. So, yeah, I agree. And with that, that does it. That's our final, I guess, segment of our top 50 games of all time. Part five next week, we're going to be doing haptic Intel's top 50 games of all time, which is just a conglomeration between Brett and I's list averaged out over both of us. Um, so if you liked this segment, like this video, make sure you like, comment, subscribe. Let us know what would be on your list. Let us know if any of our, you know, top ones made your list. And, uh, yeah. So. That's that. All right, Josh. Hey, let's move into the final topic for today's video. And it is a segment we do every week, and it is called Indie Intel. Yep. Indie Intel is a segment where we take an indie game, whether it's on Kickstarter, needs a little bit of help, a little bit of love, or just an indie game that we think is really, really cool, and we bring it into the spotlight and we show it off to you guys. This week, we're going to be taking out a little a look at a little game called Mission in Snowdrift Land. Now, Josh, yes. I'm going to give you a little bit of the backstory, and then you could talk about what you like about this game and, and why we think people should back it, okay? Please do. So... Mission in Snowdrift Land was made by two people. It's only a two-man studio, and they're called Tons of Bits. They're a small game developer located in Germany, so another game mm -hmm. in Germany. Uh, they published the online game Mission in Snowdrift Land and the WiiWare title Chick Chick Boom, which some of you might be familiar with if you played a lot of games on the Nintendo Wii. Mm. So... The history of Mission in Snowdrift Land is pretty interesting. So it was originally released as a Flash game that was hosted on Nintendo's website 15 years ago. Uh, the game's levels were released once a day for 45 days and presented in an advent calendar style. So first of all, that's really unique. You know, we've never mm -hmm. seen a game do that. Um, number one, release levels once a day, but number two, in a cool, unique style that fits the theme of the game, being a snowy winter wonderland type of game, they chose an advent calendar where each day the level select screen that looked like an advent calendar would open up a new level of the game, right? Um, so the interesting thing, Josh, is that although this game was published on the Nintendo website, it was outsourced to tons of bits by Nintendo. They keep all rights and ips of mission and snowdrift land so nintendo doesn't own any of this mm -hmm. 
The game's been lost to time for many, many years. As we said, it was 15 years ago, Josh. They took the game offline, and there was one place that you could play the game still. And actually, not a lot of people knew about this. Just for, for some reference here, uh, YouTube content creator Nick Robinson did a video all about this this game, uh, and he talked about you know how because Flash, the, the platform Flash, was being shut down, uh, that this yeah. game was going to be lost forever. And he mentioned that he found that on Tons of Biss website, they had an actual playable version of the game still up. The problem, though, Josh, is that it required access to Tons of Bits servers in order to load certain parts of the game. And once Flash was dead, even using the, the Flash emulator that people created, it couldn't talk to the server uh, to make the game work properly, right? So he worked with Tons of Bits in order to get Mission and Snowdrift Land back and he told her, he told them, he said, look, guys, people love this game and we want to, I think you should bring it back. And they said, we will. We're doing a Kickstarter. We're going to release it on Steam. And now, everyone, you can back it. So, Josh, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I think it's awesome. And I just think the story around it is really cool. I think it is one of the most unique concepts for, like, I don't know, releasing a video game <laughs> that I've ever heard yeah. about. It's just, it's just cool, man. Um, it's on Kickstarter right now. Uh, it just started a couple days ago, so you can absolutely back this. Um, I know I will be. It has a little over 30 days to go now, so probably in the 20s when you all see this video. Um, they're at about 50% or so funded right now, maybe a little bit under that um, or more so by the time you're watching this. I really recommend... Um, you know, backing this. First of all, their their backing tiers are all you know, even for really low like amounts of money, you can get the game. Um, and it's to me, it's like a preservation type of thing of why I'm interested in it and video game preservation, which interests me. So now you have like an opportunity to like back and be part of a preservation of this kind of once in a lifetime little flash game that without you know its fan base and Nick Robinson and like. I don't know, the power of the internet, you, we it would have been lost to time. Um, so I think it's really cool. And from the game preservation aspect of it is why I'm interested in it. Um, I'm going to back it. I want to own it. Um, and I'm just really excited that um, it's just, it's so, it's just unique and cool, man. And it's like two guys that were just, you know, flying by the seat of their pants when they made it. And like, I mean, can you imagine having to fucking make a level every single day for like, what do you say 45 days and then release it it's like yeah holy shit man that's like insane um so yeah and i think in nick yeah. robinson's video he said that you know at first they had a couple of levels created for to mm -hmm. for, for the launch but then at a certain point they hit a, a point where they had to actually make the levels in quick rapid succession like i don't know if it was the day before like oh no we need to create another level or what but um but yeah so if you haven't seen it before, I'm sure we have footage playing or have played footage already for you guys to check out. It's a platformer game like, you know, Super Mario. Um, you play as a character named Chubby Snow, which is uh, cute as fuck. And he's cute as fuck, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, listen, as Josh said, game preservation, this is really important. And it's completely remastered, completely remade. It's going to be full screen. Uh, it's going to be on Steam. So you'll be able to get it, get it on Steam, have it in your library. Um, controller support controller support 60 fps so yeah, yeah check it out guys um also there is important to know there is a demo available right now that you can play very true very very true so all the links will be in the description of this project 
make sure you check it out and back it on Kickstarter. I don't think there's going to be an issue getting this game funded, um, especially not if you all watch this. I mean, for for 10 bucks, you can uh, back this and going to get the game and help out a good cause. So Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, Mission and Snowdrift Land, check it out, folks. All right. Well, Brett, that is another week in the books. This was a very long episode, folks. Um, but, you know, we had some awesome things to talk about, mainly our video top favorite 50 video games of all time. So we hope everybody enjoyed watching it. If you did, make sure you do all that YouTube stuff. You like, you jump into the comments, you subscribe, you ring that notification bell. You do all of that stuff and share it with your friends. Again, we are approaching 400 subscribers. Um, so close. We are, yeah, we're close. So any little bit helps. Um, and obviously shooting for the stars beyond the, that, you know. Uh, and if you do like the content that you see or you want to see us do other stuff, um, you know, make sure you jump in the comments and let us know, uh, especially with some of our other more... Um, experimental type of content yeah i guess um we want to do more stuff like that but obviously it all costs money um and you know we just we want to make sure that we're putting our efforts into things that not only we enjoy but that you all enjoy watching because otherwise what the fuck's the point then so that's right but anything else to add brett nope i just want to say thank you guys for checking us out uh you know if you stuck around this long as i always say that means you're watching the full podcast and you watched it all the way through uh you know, we appreciate that. You know, I personally, I believe not many of our viewers actually watch the full pod. Uh, they mm -hmm. probably stick around and just watch the discussion videos. We put the full pod up so you get more of the full experience, you know, the, the whole the whole podcasting experience. Um, so if you made it this far, you truly are a fan and spread the word. Let people know, uh, you know, like, comment, subscribe, as Josh said. And I appreciate you. And uh, with peace and love, thank you. Thank you for watching Haptocast. Please like and subscribe. Hit the notification bell so you do not miss an upload.